0: I was hoping we could talk about uh, in this episode is we did it, and everybody seemed to like our discussion of our favorite movies, movies that we had to sit down and watch all Hmm. the time, no matter what, and surprisingly, there were no duplicates on that list. Mm -hmm. But this time, I think we might have some duplicates on our list. This time, uh, I asked you guys to come up with the list of your favorite television shows of all time, and instead of ranking them numerically... Matthew suggested we rank them alphabetically.
1: Right. Ah, oh, man, I didn't alphabetize
2: them.
0: You didn't? Neither did I,
2: actually, now that you mentioned it.
0: All right, well, fine. I'll be the only one that actually followed
1: the rules. <laughs> Again.
0: <laughs> Yay, Steven! It, it, it'll take Matthew all of two seconds to alphabetize. Rodrigo can but, probably do it as we go through alphabetically. But for the first time
2: ever, I actually ranked in favor of you know, of thingies. Oh, yeah? Thingies are good. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if I had to rank these numerically, I
0: could rank these numerically if if that's how you guys did it. Did you do it numerically? Yeah, I did. Is that how you did yours, Matthew?
2: Yep, I put them in order of my favoriteness.
0: All right, then uh, let's start from order of favoriteness, then. Who wants to kick All right. it off?
1: From the bottom or from the top? Let's
0: start with number 10 and work our way number to number Number 10, one.
1: number 10,
2: number 10, number 10. Go, Matthew. Number 10. When I was uh, first moved to Topeka in the early... Way back in the early 2000s. It was like 1998. I was working nights at WIBW Television. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we did to fill that dead space between midnight and 4 a.m. was we would run whatever syndicated show we happen to have individual licenses for. So I got to see every episode of this show in chronological order three times running. And it never got old. Every time I would watch through the story arcs, I'd be like, that was great. I love that. Or, you know, here comes the part that was really great when this happened. So my number 10 is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah, that was a good nice. series. Deep Space Nine is, to me, the strongest of the Star Trek shows. Because I would agree with you. It's not. It, it really is an ensemble cast. I mean, the original series was kind of the Kirk and Spock show, understandably. Right. And. And even Next Generation was very, you know, Data, Picard, Riker-centric. Right. But Deep Space Nine had, you know, deep investigation into virtually every character. And um, a couple of years ago, I went to a comic convention in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And they said that Mita Cardassian from Deep Space Nine, it turned out to be the actor who played Damar who appeared in the very first episode as a background character, as like the second to Gul Dukat. But by the end of the nine or seven episodes or seasons or whatever, he was the head of the Cardassian militia. Oh, cool. He and I had this great explanation and this discussion about how this minor character became the head of the entire Kardashian. Yeah, but didn't,
0: the, didn't they show that throughout the series, how he moved up yeah. or not?
2: Yeah. He, he, they did. He moved up. He'd show up. And eventually, you know, he, he got in a position where he, he took that last step and jumped. And the character said he was, he was always just a recurring guy. But the producers were always so happy to give even his minor background character the development – to make him real and well-rounded. And that whole show, I mean, that defines the show for me. The problem that I
0: have, I don't have any syndicated series on my list, but the problem with Deep Space Nine, and I loved it when I was still living in Hayes, the problem was when I moved to Atlanta, the syndicated TV's shows are always getting bumped for whatever sports events or whatever and so it mm-hmm. became very difficult to find out what happened in the last four seasons or five seasons of deep space nine and it got really cool at the end mm-hmm. with cisco and the uh and the wormhole and what was going on with with everybody else warf moving
1: in when, oh, when they yeah. brought warf on board it's,
0: yeah that's about the time when they first brought warf on board that's when it, when i stopped watching Well, yeah. that's a good that's a good number 10.
1: My number ten is pretty much number ten because that's it's a show that I'm into right now. Yeah, and that's how I met your mother. Oh yeah, yeah. Which it's it's a great sitcom. You know, Neil Patrick Harris is great. Um, But they could they could have just done it. They could have just had the same funny jokes. They could have just done the same thing. Did we just lose Matthew?
0: Uh oh, there's Matthew.
1: Matthew, come back, Matthew. There's Matthew. You back, Matthew? Are you back, Matthew? Are you there, Matthew? Are you there, Matthew? Matthew. Matthew.
0: Matthew. I answered your call. How come you can't hear us, dude? What'd you do?
1: Matthew. Candy Mountain, Matthew.
2: Matthew. There we go. How's that? All I heard was my number 10 is pretty much...
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My number 10 is uh, How I Met Your Mother. (gasps) With Neil Patrick Harris. I
2: love that show. It's, it's
1: it's a, really a great good show, show. It, it's like I like I was saying it could just be you know the same kind of sitcom structure they they clearly have really good writers but they play with the actual structure they play with time right they give you stuff that's already happened they give it to you at the end um, I watched an episode just very recently um, about basically the whole thing is you shouldn't date coworkers or you shouldn't date people that you're forced to see right and they go back and they essentially tell you four different stories simultaneously oh yeah i love but they all happen in a different time set so you you get into things where it's like you know character number one is like oh no i can date them it's going to be okay cut to a year later but it wasn't Mm -hmm. and then the next character who's sitting next to them is like yeah i know that but for us it's going to be okay cut to a year later but it wasn't yeah and you know just that kind of like cyclical storytelling just kind of jumping back and forward is just gives the show just such a great base that then all the characters can be funny around. oh yeah
0: yeah yeah totally agree with you my number 10 is futurama Mm. i love this animated series this is a show that is so much better than simpsons ever was and i curse fox for putting it at the crap hole time that it was, mm-hmm. that it got bumped time and time again because of NFL football and whatever other special of Major League Baseball's World Series, whatever was going on. The reason why Fox killed that show was because they didn't own the rights to it. You know, Matt Groening owned the rights to Brilliant. it. Unlike The Simpsons, which Fox owns the rights to, mm-hmm. which they were more than happy to make all the crap load of money. Futurama is so much more is so much
1: more fun than The Simpsons. It's smarter. It's, I don't know, it's still fresh. Here's what I like about Futurama, and Futurama's on my list. is actually my number two. Okay. Uh, what I love about Futurama is that in today's media, allegory is pretty much dead. Right. Like, if you get an allegory, you have to read into it, basically. Futurama and, you know, comedy in general is the only place where you can still say, oh, I get it, this whole thing is you know, about the government mm-hmm. or this whole bit is about, you know, the, just the economy right now, you know, and the the setup for Futurama really allows them to explore all of these social issues in an absolutely hilarious manner. Right. The one thing
0: that Futurama doesn't do, and we'll have to talk about this another time when we talk about the made for DVD movies, mm-hmm. is they don't make a lot of pop culture current references. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those stories are still relevant ten years later, five years later, as they were when they first came out. Unlike South Park, which everything has to do oh, yeah. with what's going on at the moment.
2: Yeah. So, Matthew, number nine for you. Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. My number nine show, um, I mentioned this previously, and Steven said he had a problem with certain things that happened on the show. My number nine uh, was Oz, which HBO aired oh, for yeah. about five years. Don't and like the, f- the butt sex. Too much butt sex. Well, well and the butt sex aside, Oz takes characters who are basically not likable. They are criminals. They are rapists. They are not good people. And it puts them in a setting where they're allowed to be even worse. Some of them do things in prison that are worse than what got them in prison. Oh, yeah. And yet they manage to still make the characters – accessible and empathetic um one of the the strongest characters in the whole show is keller who is a multiple rape rapist he's a serial psychopath he goes around he manipulates people he lies to people he tells people that he loves them to get what they want and then steals from them mercilessly in the first season a man that he, he actually loves, he breaks his arms and legs because another guy gives him enough money to make it worth his time. Oh, yeah. And you still feel bad for Keller afterwards. They've taken these characters who should not be empathetic, should not be sympathetic, should not be characters in some cases, and put them together and really made their stories interesting. Okay. Plus, you know, you got the butt sex. So.
0: <laughs>
1: Rodrigo, have you ever watched Oz?
0: I I haven't. I haven't watched. I've only watched one or two episodes. I was like, "Eh, that's enough for me.
1: (laughs) I don't I don't get HBO. Besides,
0: one of the guys is uh, married now to uh, Tara Patrick. There Mm -hmm. you go. Um, So
1: kind of he was married then
2: to Tara Patrick.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Number nine on your list. Number nine on my list is I believe actually by the same people or has a lot of the same actors. Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, Tom Fontana. Right um great show i've never i never got into the law and order stuff um until i started watching svu and i think the reason for that is the ensemble cast Mm -hmm. i really like you know the basically the two main detectives um mariska hargitay and maloney i forget christopher maloney christopher maloney um and i really i really like and i always I'm, I'm always saying I want to see more Finn and Munch episodes because those guys are great and they have yeah. a great chemistry together, but they're not the main characters, unfortunately. Um, and that show, you know, unlike um, the original Law and Order and unlike um, Criminal Intent, doesn't feel like it has such a huge rotating cast of right. of characters. Right. Um, so it, it kind of keeps it together. And for me, I mean, uh, Rape and murder are always compelling you know there are these things that make you like really feel for the victims for the families want to try to make you figure out who did it um and again unlike say you know in in with us with special victims they have a reason not to talk Mm -hmm. the original law and order is all homicide right so of course the victims aren't going to talk in svu the victims can still be alive and have a reason not to talk mm-hmm. as opposed to in criminal intent where they always have to end up killing the guys. Right. Cause in major crimes, people can always talk. Right. You know, kind of stuff. So SVU has a great mix. I've always felt it's like, it's sort of the second born out of law and order, but it's, right. you know, it's a good show.
0: Who, who, who's this guy that plays the Munch character? Um,
2: uh, Richard Belzer. That's
0: who I was going to say. Richard Belzer. If you like him, if you like his character you should really go back and look for Homicide Life, Life on the, on the, streets, the streets yeah that, that has his character in Baltimore um yeah. well it's a good thing I series. mean it's the same, char- right, it's the same character right and Ice-T is in it too yeah. right they're the
2: uh, same characters at, aren't they yeah yeah well
0: Ice-T wasn't in Baltimore hmm. he was brought on for SVU but the uh R- Richard Belzer character is from Homicide and he moved and there was some great uh, Law & Order episodes where they crossed over nice. between the two cities, and then whenever they did SVU, they brought him on board and the captain, and I don't know if it's the same captain, the male captain, it's been a while since I've watched SVU, he was the captain on uh, Law & Order for the um, longest time. So there's true. a lot of crossover
2: between nice. all of those shows, and they did a really, really good job of it. And Also, uh, Belzer appeared as Munch in an episode of The X-Files. Oh, oh Did yeah, he really? That's right. Nice. That's
0: right. Uh, my number nine is kind of a two-in-one because I really think you can't really enjoy one without the other, and that's Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Mm. And, they, you know, I started watching this when I moved to Atlanta on the WB, and I saw this huge billboard just down the street from our uh, my office, and it had this really cute Sarah Michelle Geller and the incredibly hot, hot, hot— Charisma Carpenter on it. and I, was oh, like, I thought
1: you were going to say David Boreanaz.
0: Yeah, I yeah, thought so,
2: what's... too. I'm like... <laughs> and I was like,
0: there is no way I'm passing up this show. And the first season came and went pretty quickly, and I was like, you know what? This is a pretty cool show. Mm-hmm. And then the more I get into it and the more I would talk to uh, some people that I worked with. I met a really good friend of mine. Uh, one day we were talking Buffy, and she and I just became best friends after that. When I moved to California, Buffy and Angel were still really strong for me. And my friend in my office, Dave Nagel, he's like, oh, you guys, we're going to have Buffy night you got to come over for Buffy night, Steven. I was like, "What the hell's Buffy night?" We would go over and we would turn on the home theater projector. There'd be like 20 of us crammed into a room about this size, mm-hmm. and we'd just be getting drunk and we'd be watching Buffy and we'd just be having a fantastic time and we followed that all the way, you know, until the series ended. I just liked that series. I thought it was something that really built up a strong mythos of characters where, and I, and I think I talked about it last week, this Joss Whedon effect where, you know, some a character that occurs that happened in season one ends up in season six mm-hmm. uh, doing this. And it's like you had to know where all these points the character popped up in order to fully appreciate the story. And that's what I like about continuity in uh, a series like Buffy and Angel. And, of course, I had to put Angel on the list because Charisma Charisma Carpenter left Buffy, and she went to Angel, and so you had to follow her over there. Had to follow the hotness? Had to follow the hotness. So those are my two two, two-and-one number
2: nines. Nice. Matthew? Number eight, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody that I am the world's biggest geek. Really? So I think— I would never peg you as a geek. No I really am but it's okay because I was in the <laughs> AP club for years. So I don't think anybody's going to be really surprised by my choice for number 8 except in the fact that I don't hide it. Number 8 for me Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh,
1: awesome. oh nice.
2: I, I there was not a day in Agnew Hall when Stephen and I first knew each other that somebody did not quote something even I've, to the point where
0: I fought in your general direction. Exactly.
2: You know? Lemon
1: Curry It's something that continues to this day in colleges across America.
2: Exactly. And if you actually sit, and God help us, we did, and watch each episode (laughs) for the recurring gags and watch the structure of the episode, it's like watching – my my argument, and I've made this several times, the difference between a craftsman and an artist. A craftsman would build the show around the structure, and Monty Python was created by six artists working together because they made the structure – based on what the show needed. The the running gag was that each week, the opening credits would come later and later in the show, where the <laughs> it's man would say, Ips. Right, right. At, on, there's, one, there's one episode where... You get to the very end of the episode, they cut to the It's man, he says, It's, they run the opening credits, then they run the closing credits, (laughs) then they run a a thing that says, oh, due to an error, there's now one more minute of Monty Python's Flying Circus, (laughs) and then they do another minute of the show, and they run the the opening credits again. (laughs) There's one episode where they don't even run the opening credits, you have no idea what it is, it's a cold open for like ten minutes, the story of this rogue superhero called Mr. Neutron, and... (laughs) Throughout the, the the show the jokes are they're not topical they're right. like they're actually timeless nonsense jokes. Not a mean, Do not a mean.
0: Point. Nudge nudge, wink wink. Rot, yeah. right,
2: right. Not a mean. Or if you walk up to somebody, you walk up to the right person and say, "Takwin." You polled no votes at all. (laughs) Not a sausage. (laughs) Bugger all. And there are people who know how to finish all of these lines. Right. Spam, 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 spam. I don't like spam! So as terrible as it is to have hordes of nerds yelling it at you every day, and today it still is a little bit horrible and embarrassing to think back of the idiocy that we did, it's it's a really great series and it's one of the ones that you, you can't leave out of a list like this, at least if you're me. Mm-hmm. what are we on eight eight
1: eight my number eight and you'll start to see really that uh the cartoons start taking over here samurai jack
0: oh yeah i've I got, uh, got that on dvd back. it's actually really good i yeah. would
1: not miss an episode of samurai jack samurai jack was a slow show it was almost it was
0: very much in the
1: samurai way yeah there was there was a lot of times when you would when most of the show really seemed like it was jack walking across this crazy landscape yep. um set to um basically uh japanese influenced hip-hop yeah um but samurai jack was clearly this uh, i think his name's is gindy tartakovsky yep. him really experimenting with a lot of different things um you know there's all the episodes where Jack is doing all this crazy stuff. There's a great episode where he gets turned into a chicken and he has to, yeah. and he has to fight essentially in this evil pet coliseum. Right. Um, there's an episode, uh, in which he, uh, gets shackled to this horrible Scotsman. Yes. Um, yes. that's the episode um, that I've th- seen. The, the Scotsman again and again and is one of the best characters and they never say his name. Everybody right. just calls, I mean, nobody calls him anything. The fans call him the Scotsman. Right. Um, it was just, it was a beautifully crafted show that also happened to be hilarious all yeah. the time. Yeah. It was pretty good. Wasn't
2: there, uh, wasn't there an entire episode crafted around Jack needing a new pair of shoes? Yes. And he kept, shoes going,
1: were- <laughs> he kept going to the sports chalet <laughs> or something like that. And they just kept giving him newer and newer yeah. shoes.
0: Yeah. Uh, number eight on my list goes all the way back to the 80s. I'm a big sucker, and you're gonna. There's going to be at least three more, two more that appear on this on this list. I am a sucker for detective shows. I and in the '80s, one of the biggest Magnum PI and Tom Selleck. Nice. I just uh, they're replaying all these episodes in order on the Sleuth Network, which is an NBC, one of those cable channels okay. that you get. And I started recording these on TiVo mainly because uh, the young lad, my son stops whatever he's doing. He can be whining, fussing, crying, playing, getting into honorary business, whatever. The minute that Magnum PI theme song comes on, he stops what he does and just stares at the TV for the whole intro. <laughs> and then as soon as that song's over, he's back to whatever he's doing. <laughs> it's weird to see him do that. But I started watching the show. I watched it here and there in the 80s. I think mm-hmm. it was opposite MacGyver, which... Meant that I didn't watch Magnum PI that much, but as I've watched the entire series again, it's another one that builds on all of these ideas, characters, and themes throughout the entire eight, ten seasons, whatever it was on, mm-hmm. culminating, culminating in this final episode, which is just awesome. You know, mm-hmm. their the one season ended with Magnum essentially dead and uh, walking off into heaven, and fans were like, "We want to bring the show back so bad," and they brought him back from the dead. For one more season of 12 episodes. It's nice. just it's just a great, fun, not always, you know, whodunit kind of stuff, but good, clean, you know, 80s fun. Magnum P.I., number eight on my list.
2: Number seven for me is one that my last, uh, my number eight was one that was very important to me when I was young. This is one that's important to me now, not because of what it is, but because of what it represents, this is a show that Molly and I love, and the first thing that she and I really loved and watched together, Legion of Superheroes from the oh, WB yeah. Kids Network. Yeah, nice. And from my perspective, as the old-school Legion guy, I went into this show expecting to be really irritated at the changes and the things that they do that aren't canonical. Obviously, this can't be true, because it contradicts what happened at Adventure Comics number 357. Nerd! We're Nerd! <laughs> And I wanted to feel that. Part of me was doing that. But Molly and I were watching it together. And she loved Saturn Girl. Saturn Girl has earrings that are pink. Nice. And then we started examining who the other heroes were. And even now, whenever she sees Cyborg, she'll come to the comic store and see Cyborg. And she'll go, isn't that that iron boy with the F.E. on his chest? I'm like, no, honey, (laughs) that's not Pharoah lad. But she knows the Legionnaires, and we watched the cartoon, and she loved the Karate Kid episode, and mm-hmm. she loved the episode where we meet the, the subs, the Legion of Substitute heroes, and they fight the little fluffy monkeys. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a show that was aimed at kids, and because I watched it with my kid, even though, you know, part of me wanted to hate it for being non-canonical, it's something, you know, that Molly and I enjoyed together, and it'll mm-hmm. always be awesome because of that. Nice.
0: Cool. I, I've not really watched. I think we watched one episode mm-hmm. one day. Brian and Rodrigo were over at the house, and we watched. I think one episode opposite of Spider Man or something. And yeah. to me, it just was like, eh, so so. Uh, I, you don't. You're
1: not a Legion guy. You don't get it. I do like the Legion. I, I liked Legion it. Guy. I remember watching it, and I was like, I like what they did with Bouncing I don't like Boy. The, style. That's the problem I have, I always thought, you know, especially in the older Legion stuff, is like there's Bouncing Boy. Right. He's fat, and he gets fatter. Right. Is, is his power. Yeah. But hey, um, that must I, be
0: my superpower.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like what they did with him where they actually turn him into a sphere kind of stuff. Yeah. They made him the leader of the team. They made him the pilot of the ship. and. Yeah. The, the whole point of the Legion, to me, and I've said this before, everybody has something to contribute, even the lame kid who does nothing but mounts. Who can the, whip his arm off and beat you to death. With
1: the him. episode where, where we meet Timberwolf, I really liked, and there was one thing about it that I really liked, This everybody's flying around in their flight rings and having this conversation, and you just see Bouncing Boy, like, pop up and basically <laughs> <All> make him- <laughs> a remark and then just bounce back down. And then, you know, at another appropriate point, he just, like, bumps back up. I may have to give that a chance sometime in the future. What's yeah. what's number seven on your list there? Number seven for me is The Others, which was the a show Others. that I don't even remember what network it ran on. But it was a show about a bunch of psychics, and they were all kind of had different psychic powers. And Oh, I remember that series. They and, could, like some of them dealt with ghosts. Yes. And some of them like... um. That was an awesome series. It was like one or two seasons, right? I, I, I don't know if it was more than one season. It may have only been one
0: season because it ended with... I, I remember that. Yeah, it ended with um, some girl trapped in the house, mm-hmm. and the spirit was after them, and and she was trapped in the others were all trying to get. That was a good series, actually. It, it
1: was. It was. It was creepy. It was. A, it was a team. I mean, yeah. these people had superpowers. They just had very small superpowers, right? This and unfortunately, kind of I think it
0: was on during the same time as at, not. On the exact same time, but in the same time period that X Files was mm-hmm. on, and X Files would totally dominate that yeah. show, which is why it may have only lasted one season.
2: Oh yeah, but, but I, I, it, was like, it was on NBC, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it so. was on NBC. This was
0: essentially what Heroes, an early version of Heroes, is the way I always saw it.
2: Kind of, yeah.
1: Um, great, great opening credits, yeah. like great opening intro. Very creepy, very cool. Um, the the show had a great feel. I, I just really liked it, and the uh, Lead character was really cute, and she's actually right right now on uh, Law & Order Criminal Intent. Oh, okay. Cool. Number seven
0: on my list is another detective uh, television show on the same time or around the same time as Magnum P.I. In fact, they even did a crossover episode with one another, The Boys from San Diego, Simon & Simon. (laughs) This one is a little bit different from Magnum P.I., which often tackled a lot of more serious subjects. This one is a lot more tongue-in-cheek. Cop, you know, shoot em up kind of of detective show that actually had a lot more detecting, follow the clues to the bad guy, uh, but just to see these guys, you know, mix it up episode after episode, it, it's really fun. If you haven't seen Simon and Simon, go check it out.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I, I Simon and Simon did nothing for me, but I <laughs> I, I respect your choice to be well. Different. That's the thing; these are
0: all of our our favorites. I
2: mean, exactly. I'm not making- and we shouldn't
1: be on the same page, which is well, why I think... because we rarely are.
2: Exactly.
0: exactly. We, so far, we've only had one show that was the same.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Number six for me is a show that I started watching much younger than I should have. Um, and I started watching for you know basically gratuitous nudity and curse words that never showed up because I didn't realize that network TV on a Saturday night was still network TV. But Saturday <laughs> Night Live, for oh, the yeah. longest time... Uh-huh was what I would do on Saturday nights. I would stay mm-hmm. up late to watch Saturday Night Live. And I remember when they started rerunning the episodes, I saw the first episode with George Carlin in reruns and was just taken aback at how interesting and how weird it all was. And even when it sucked, and I mean, I watched, I watched the season in 1980 where the biggest name they had was Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even when it was bad, it was so entertaining to watch them on live television. It's great when they break each other up or when, you know, hmm. when Phil Hartman would come out and do something just absolutely brilliant or Eddie Murphy as Gumby. Yes. Yeah. There's, for every or moment. You can, yeah. right, you, Wheat, can, yeah. you can say this sucks, you know, this is terrible. This is topical, stupid humor. But then you have the moment where, you know, Phil Hartman breaks up as Frankenstein. And then r- runs and smashes through the set because he doesn't want to be seen laughing, but then he comes back through <laughs> laughing again, crushing the set. Everybody's just cracking up. I mean, so it's one of those shows that 35 years, they've hit enough highs mm-hmm. to where you can have as much crap as you want at this point. Their name has been well and truly made. Yep. Who is it? Mad-eating shark. Who? Pizza man. <laughs> Candygram. Ch- ch- Trick tree for UNICEF. <laughs> Jane, you ignorant slut. I nearly got fired for saying that to a woman uh, once. I'm sure
0: you almost did.
2: <laughs> Dazzle us, Rodrigo. Alright, my
1: number six, C Lab twenty twenty one. Oh, another animated one.
2: If you look at me.
1: Great, great song by Calamine. Um and and it was a toss up between aqua hunger force and c lab for for this for this spot um but but then i thought you know aqua is usually funny and when they're on it's really great when c lab is on i would just be on the floor laughing yeah. like um the the captain captain murphy he's just he was just absolutely <laughs> rolling on the ground ridiculous yeah. Um, about everything and just like it, it was just so incredibly absurd um the whole like um the 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 knights of mars thing and you know <laughs> the the queen of doppelpopulus and uh say I name you name and the best episode the the stimutax episode
2: you oh, know, my just, God.
1: It's, it's like the single most quotable episode that I've ever seen. It's like a koala crapped a rainbow in, <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> I have the strength of a bear that has the strength of two bears. <laughs> <laughs> just amazing. I-
0: I'll lose some geek cred and say that I don't watch that much adult swim, Oh. which is sad. But, I mean, erotic. I know. I-, I don't know why. The reason is I, I love the boondocks. Mm -hmm. on on Adult Swim. And for better or for worse, you know, they're not really Adult Swim shows, but Cowboy Bebop is one of my all-time favorite anime episodic pieces. And then what's the one, the uh, Steampunk uh, Alchemy... uh, Full Metal Metal Alchemist. Alchemist. I love that series too. But no, Adult Swim is not high on on my list. Uh, Number six for me, I'm going to have to go with Batman the Animated Series. Hmm. It is... Which is a surprise. Uh, It would have made a lot more sense if we did this alphabetically, but uh, Batman animated series for me is one of those that you have to sit down and watch it from beginning to end. Every single episode in the right order to, again, see this really complex story that Deanie and Tim were putting together. Uh, week after week, or episode after episode, this was the show that I ran home after school mm-hmm. to watch, and I was in college at the time. Nice, you know, I'd set that VCR, and I think Brian would always come over, and we'd sit down and watch Batman, and then we'd watch a MST3K. It was it's a great series, and it's something that I think has
1: inspired every cart uh superhero animated show since oh yeah the the, it was one of the first ones to really get it right to say here's a cartoon superhero right that is serious right and done properly for the medium the
0: uh closing credit shot the red moon with the batman in in silhouette Mm -hmm. um they actually sent a promo poster out to a lot of tv and radio stations to promo the uh the the series Mm -hmm. i've got that poster hanging up in the major spoilers theater it just looks that kick-ass i went into my boss's office at the radio station and i saw that and i called him up at home immediately and i said can i have that poster when you're done with it he goes yeah just take it home now And i was like good because he was just gonna throw it away and it's it's yeah. it's a great great shot
2: all right matthew we are into the top five my number five is my wtf Um, you probably don't remember it. It was something that was on when I was in high school and I was just hooked immediately. One of the first shows that I remember to use story arcs, season long story arcs rather than individual episodes. And it kind of falls in the realm of your, um, detective shows, Steve. Yeah. Uh, wise guy. Oh yeah. I remember that Ray Liotta. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Ray Ray Liotta, Liotta, but it was somebody like him. It was a guy who looked remarkably like Ray Liotta. I believe his name was Ken Wall. Yeah, that's right. And Jerry Lewis came in, and towards the end, something like that. Yeah, essentially, (laughs) the main character was an FBI agent who went to prison to set up a cover so that he could get close to a um, get close to a mafia boss. It was kind of like a proto Sopranos. And that first whole season, he's getting closer to Sonny Steelgrave, which is a great name, by the way. Yeah, getting closer to the mafia boss, and you know, setting himself up to where he's the one who's going to take him down. But then, of course. He knows he finds the guy that he knows him and he likes him and they interact and they become friends and when he finally has to decide whether or not he's gonna take down Sonny Steelgrave, you actually wonder if he's gonna do it. And finally it all comes down to this is beautiful, a fist fight in an abandoned movie theater. Ah, cool. Where they sit and they watch like I think it's a John Wayne movie together and talk about, you know, how what kind of person what kind of person can fake a whole life and fake a friendship? And the the criminal, the, the mafia guy is like, I'm not a good man, and I know that. But there's something wrong with you that you can do this. No, oh, wow. And throughout the series, this was the recurring thing, was he would get close to criminals and pretend to be their friend, and he'd have to deal with the ramifications of lying about everything in his life. Right, right.
0: Am and I'm I wrong- like 16. Am, am I wrong? Isn't Jerry Lewis, wasn't he, came on as the big mafia guy at the towards the end, or one of the big mafia guys?
2: Or am I thinking another CBS show that had mafia in it? It is possible. Let me check. I'm going to see. Sure like he-
0: I'm pretty sure Jerry Lewis was, it was in that series. Hmm. Could be. So that was your number five. What do you got down for number five there, Rodrigo?
1: My number five, and this might be my WTF, my number five is Family Matters. You know, Urkel. Family matters.
0: Oh, Urkel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And and
1: here's the reason for it. It's a funny show, and it was actually funnier when Urkel pa- played a smaller part. It it got really weird, right, right. towards the end with but, the Urkel bot and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I learned to speak English with this show. Oh, really? I did that in Full House. Um, which is why, at any given point, I either sound like a four-year-old white girl or a middle-aged, uh, middle-income black man.
2: Which really breaks down the Rodrigo mystique. <laughs> it,
1: it does, it does. Now that people know what I'm about, I think I'm a lot less interesting. Um, but you didn't get your fashion sense from from uh I I, I didn't, show, did but you? learning to speak English through Family Matters, I, I remember you know they would say things and i would think that that's how all americans talk yeah you know so i'd go like uh, some something would happen in the playground i'd be like hey guys what happened and it'd be like oh such and such you know somebody punched another kid and i would be like oh enough said <laughs> Did I do that? How rude. Now, did you
0: try to learn English uh, before you moved to the U.S. or was this after you moved to the U.S.?
2: I, I
1: basically went to an uh, like a, an English immersion school when I was in, oh, okay. in Mexico. So my English, uh, my uh, book English was good. Right. Um, but I got a lot of practice from watching shows in English. And the shows that I liked were sitcoms and, you know... I watched Family Matters, Full House, The Fresh Prince, and Saved by the Bell. Oh, my God.
0: I hope you didn't pick up any screech mannerisms.
1: I I didn't. I I have my own weird nerd (laughs) mannerisms.
0: Okay, Every once
2: in a while, you do remind me of Kelly Kapowski. (laughs) (laughs) I get that all the time.
0: Uh, (laughs) Number five on my list, uh, (laughs) our second HBO series, is uh, Carnival. It only lasted two or three seasons. But it takes place during the Great Depression uh, with a traveling carnival. Mm -hmm. And the weird and mysterious, and what's cool about this show is they tell you right up front that before the atomic bomb went off, before it was detonated, there was still magic in the world. Mm -hmm. And so the show looks at good and evil and magic in the Depression in the South. Uh, And it's a... It's a weird show because there are, you know, this guy that must be channeling pure evil, who's a preacher, who's gathering his evil flock, and this other guy who can heal people, who wants nothing to do with these powers that he's been given. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the freak show people. You know, you've got the Tom Thumb guy, the bearded lady, the Siamese twins, the girl that can tell magic. And it's a really great story. The problem is—and this is a problem with a lot of HBO shows, and Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong— HBO cancels series before they have a chance to run their full course. And Carnival is one of those because you had the season end where you have essentially thought the main character, the central male lead that has the power to heal, killed the main bad guy. Mm -hmm. But then the girl that he's in love with, you find out, is the main bad guy's daughter. And she has the power to heal now, too. And you're left with this very weird, how does this series end kind of cliffhanger moment that is never resolved but carnival if you can catch it on dvd it's a great great series three i think it's three seasons
2: nice i think it's two actually is it two well Please whatever stop. it is it's damn
0: good television
2: damn fine tv all right we're into our top four number four. four, four. number four for me is uh what I consider to be uncharacteristic of me because it's kind of a mainstream show, but it's also a show that nearly ended my marriage. Um, when I'm. <laughs> Playboy After Dark? Sex no, in the City. When we first got DVR, I knew how to set it to record shows, but I didn't know how to set it to record a few shows. Oh, and okay. Just as this show went into syndication, I told my DVR, record every episode on every channel. Ah. So every night I'd come home and there would be nine episodes of Scrubs on the DVR. Mm. And my wife couldn't record anything else because at any given time, there are always two episodes of Scrubs running in America. It's actually a law now. Yeah, (laughs) that is pretty
1: insane.
2: Like, everybody (laughs) grabbed Scrubs when it went on syndication. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But it's a really interesting show. It starts out almost being kind of an earnest look at a hospital and, you know, a fresh young doctor and and how he tries to not be overwhelmed by his life. But it it sort of takes a turn and it starts going more and more into the absurd and the characters become more and more ridiculous. And it becomes more fun as you go. And I've always said that um, my management style at work is two parts Darth Vader One part Stewie Griffin and two parts Dr. Cox from Scrubs (laughs) to where he'll walk up to people and he'll start moving his hand open and close. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, this is my imaginary warning light. When it goes off, it means that a situation has arisen that has 10 seconds to resolve itself before I kill people. (laughs) And the dialogue is also crisp And it has the really cool fantasy sequences That yeah. kind of occasionally get annoying mm-hmm. yeah. But there's uh, This season there was one where he stops He does his little fantasy sequence And it's like seven minutes before the teaser And he goes on and on and on And they cut back And his friend has changed clothes Gotten ready to leave And he's about to walk out the door <laughs> And the main character is like I gotta stop having those long fantasies They're almost never worth it <laughs> and, and then they do the main title of the program Yeah, oh, that's funny
0: I'm not a big fan of, uh, what's his name, Braff. Zach Braff. Zach Braff. Zach no. Northwestern
1: graduate. No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to school with his? him? No. He right graduated then. already when I went. Oh, okay.
2: But I, I heard he got to make out with Natalie Portman, so he must be cool. Nice! <laughs> Just not a big fan of his. I
0: did see that movie, though, where he and Natalie Garden Portman. Garden State. Yeah, Garden State. Jersey it was okay. It was an okay movie. I yeah. liked it. Yeah.
2: It's like George Carlin said, if they're the garden state, they must be growing smokestacks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, what are we on, four? Four. My number four four was a show that I would get up incredibly early in the morning to watch because that's when it was on. Like noon? (laughs) Yeah, for a college kid, maybe. No, this was was back when I was in probably between middle school and high school. Um, Big Blue Marble. Nope. Transformers, Beast Wars. Oh, my. Um, it was great. It that had was everything I one, loved. Right? There was, there, there's always been this issue with Transformers and that I'm not a big fan of cars. Right. You know, I knew that Optimus Prime was a semi. I knew that Bumblebee was a Volkswagen Beetle. And I could not tell you what the hell anybody else was because I don't know cars. But these guys turned into animals. Yeah. And animals I was into. The cheetah, not just the animals, blue, uh... but also dinosaurs. The oh, rat, yeah,
2: yeah. yep. Um, Optimus Prime Eight, yes, and that
0: was all in 3D, right? It was. It was and all that took computer place on, generated. Uh, the Prime World or whatever.
1: Um, basically, it takes place on Earth. Um, like, it, I believe the way it fits in the Transformers universe is the Ark lands on Earth. Oh, okay. And then some time goes by, and then the Beast Wars happen, and then they leave. Um, because these guys are actually from the future of Cybertron and were right. sucked in through a wormhole, okay. kind of thing. Um, but I mean, great explanation as to why they're animals. I mean, the original Transformers, they're, they turn into cars so they can hide. Right. These guys, there's so much energon on Earth that it like interacts weirdly with their robots themselves so they absorb dna essentially turn themselves into animals and then it doesn't affect them so you have this bi- these big battle scenes where they're like shooting at each other and all of a sudden all of them start spazzing out cuz they're like over uh over energized essentially so they yeah. have to turn back into animals and duke it out that way oh okay um great episodes where like the animal brains start taking over cuz they've spent way too much time in animal form yeah. a lot of great ideas a lot of you know it's like the The Transformers line is going one way, and these guys just like grabbed it and took it in a completely different direction. But it never stopped being Transformers, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Cool. Number four on my list is one of the f- filthiest mouth shows that I've ever watched. Deadwood, Deadwood on uh, HBO. Every word out of these people's mouths is cocksucker this and mother effer this, and it is such. It's a. It's a. It's a series. It's a series set uh, during the what eighteen hundreds, whatever, in yep. Deadwood, South Dakota. And there's actually the first season has Wild Bill Hickok coming to town and getting killed, mm-hmm. uh, and everything that follows that. But it's more the the story of the of the sheriff of the town, uh, Mister Star, and everything that goes on with his life, and and all the characters that you meet in the town, and when gold is discovered, how that affects. Uh, what's going on. And this is still in the Dakota territories. And then there's this whole season where there's this power play for what happens if the, a state is formed. Mm-hmm. And it is the, the thing about this is it's kind of like watching Shakespeare when you watch Deadwood, because the language that they use in this series beyond the f- the filthy mouth talk is done in such a way that it's hard to place exactly what they're saying. You really have to listen and pay attention to what they're saying to get what the, what's going on in the story.
1: Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're completely lost. I've seen, I've seen, I haven't seen the show, but I've seen plenty of parodies where like, people are like, what? Yeah, and but that's what makes it
0: cool, is you mm-hmm. have to sit down and really concentrate on what they're saying and really get the meaning in order to understand the bigger implications of what's going on in history. So as a fictionalized history, using real events and real people, I mean, mm-hmm. all these people that are in this show actually existed. Cool. It is fascinating. It's a great show and really if you're going to watch it you need to just take your whole weekend and sit down and watch the show from start to finish because mm-hmm. about if you, you know, just watch one episode here and there, the language barrier messes you up. Mm-hmm. But if you sit down and just watch it straight through, about the third episode you're in you're like, I understand everything that they're talking about. I understand who all the characters are. I understand what Swergen's talking about. It's just, it's an awesome show. It's the only show that invented a word that has people thinking that hooplehead was actually a term used during that time period (laughs) to describe idiots. Nice. Uh, Deadwood. It's another series that ended, uh, HBO canceled it, and there's at least two more seasons that need to happen from that show. Mm -hmm. The big ending for the show was the city of Deadwood burning, Mm -hmm. and we never got to that point, which is sad. Yeah, but that's number four on my list. But you're not bitter at poor HBO, I, you sure. know? As much as I get angry about them canceling these shows, they keep coming back
2: with other great, <laughs> great <ones>. shows. Yeah. <laughs> you know? My number three, number three, number three, number three, number three, number three is a show that I've actually been watching off and on for like 25 years. What?
0: There's no TV True. show that's been on for 25 years.
2: Oh, but isn't there? If except you- for one. Yeah, except for did, one. Did you- Did you ever watch PBS when you were a little kid? Oh, man, my son and I are watching this
0: particular show right now. Not like right now, but every morning before we go to school.
2: Well, if it's the show you're thinking about, we may be thinking of a different show. Okay, maybe we are. I would come home from school when I was 11 or 12, and I would click on PBS, and they would be replaying Doctor Who.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say Sesame Street.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you thought I was (laughs) going to
0: say Sesame Street. Because I was going to say, wait, Sesame Street's been on for like 38 years, 39 years. Because I like... I have you the swer-
1: total aside, total aside. I need to swerve you guys out right here, right now. There's a new season of Sesame Street, and there's this girl on it, this Indian the, the, girl, and she is amazing. Which one? I am in is love with the, her.
0: Is she the? Is she the? Not the vet she's girl. She's beautiful. No, I she's seen Brand
1: her. new. She lo- she runs a laundromat. I guess it's close. Oh, to we're Hooper's. watching it like
0: on the. We're watching it on Sprout Network, oh, okay. so maybe that we're might not be older seeing. episodes. Now yeah, you need yeah. to watch PBS
1: proper. Well. You know, no, if you cool. just what? broadcast the Sorry, HD I just, signal I out of the totally... Smokey Hills public television there, Rodrigo, uh, we'd probably <laughs> hey, all I enjoy it. That's not my, uh, anyway. What's her name? All right. I don't know, because I'm watching it from my desk and at somebody else's TV, and I can't hear the volume. But every time it's like, there's
0: Hello, a beautiful.
2: that I like. <laughs> I love you. My name's Rodrigo. Call me. <laughs>
0: So, Doctor (laughs) Who, I agree. This (laughs) is one that got me in so much trouble as a kid because it was on, for me, late at night. And so my parents were not, you know, I think it was on late at night on Thursday night for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe Friday, but Thursday. And certainly in middle school, being up past 1130 was a big Mm no-no. And so I'd have the TV in my room, and I'd actually, this is the kind that had the earphone. And so I'd plug the earphone in, and I'd stuff a towel under my door so the light wouldn't be seen. And I'd sit there and watch Doctor Who in black and white, mm-hmm. and get in trouble all the time. It was like the equivalent of being under the covers with a flashlight and comic books. And Done. my
2: thing is, uh, I'm actually kind of a Doctor Who heretic, apparently, because they say that the first Doctor that you really see is always going to be your favorite. And so what you I got Tom, in Tom Baker. The, you know, I got in at the tail end. I never saw Tom Baker. I saw the first episode of Peter Davison, the Fifth Doctor, and oh, I saw the, blonde, the f- blonde-haired. The blonde haired guy with the Mm -hmm. jacket Mm -hmm. and I saw his whole run and the thing that hooked me and the reason that I I started really tearing this show apart was they had an episode called The Five Doctors. Yes. Where he met his four previous incarnate. Well, three of them because Tom Baker wouldn't come back. But he met his previous incarnations and these five characters who were the same character through a series of time vortexes all acted together. Yep. And didn't, didn't remember having been one another. But I nice. was trying to figure out how this all worked. And you, the time travel aspect was awesome. And it was just so weird and so British. Yep. At a point in time <laughs> when our shows were all like Magnum, you know, going out with a gun in a helicopter. Yep. This, this was a guy in a cricket blazer in, in a phone booth showing up in like Victorian England or, you know, on a, a ship that was made out of cardboard somewhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, just, just to counter me always getting
0: in trouble. My mom and dad did something really cool when we got the VCR. They actually set it to record Doctor Who for me. And I woke up one morning. Mom's like, hey, look, we recorded this Doctor Who show that you like. I was like, really? And I went in there and PBS then had just started rerunning all of the original episodes with the first doctor. And so I got in on the first episode of the doctor who nice and got to see it every time on, on tape. So it was, and I think somewhere in my VHS collection of three or four tapes that are left. One of them is the doctor who, um, Tom Baker, what is it? Time pirates or whatever, where it was like a, he had to collect the key or something and
2: the key to time. Yeah. Yes. It was like season 16 or 17. Yeah. And so I've got all of that still on, on
0: VHS somewhere. Nice. Yeah, Doctor Who, that was the very first convention I went to, was a mm-hmm. Doctor Who convention in Kansas City. My grandmother took <laughs> me and dropped me off and said, I'll be back in five hours.
1: <laughs> Your grandma sounds scary. No, she was actually really cool. <laughs> Hi,
0: I'm
2: Stephen's grandma. I need a pack of Marlboros and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> no, Let's go she's watch really cool.
1: She's really cool. All right, number three, Rodrigo. All right, my number three is a show that I think probably a lot of people haven't heard of clone
2: high i love clone is it High. an animated
1: show an animated show it was an on mtv for all of like five seconds okay um and it's just amazing um basically the premise is back in the 1980s a bunch of government employees um i don't remember the the entire theme song but um they basically go in and get the dna of all these famous people clone them um, and now they're all in high school.
0: Yes, I I remember this. Um,
1: so the main character is Abe Lincoln. Mm-hmm. His best friend is Mahatma Gandhi. He has a his his other friend is Joan of Arc, who has a crush on him. The big and you know Abe Lincoln's a big nerd. The big jock at school is JFK, and his like on and on off again super popular girlfriend Cleopatra, <laughs> and just the interactions, all the jokes, the 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 principal of the school is this evil scientist right um and his uh he has a robot butler um who is just <laughs> who basically you know has all this great advice but he talks like this, <laughs> and he for for no apparent reason he calls everybody <laughs> Wesley. Yes, so you know it's he's a, talking he's to a Mr. Belvedere. He is? He yes, yes. And actually, it's funny because I I forget what exactly his name is. He's like Mr. Robotron or something like that.
2: Mr. Butlertron.
1: Mr. Butlertron. But every once in a while, the uh, the principal will just refer to him as Lynn. Yeah, which which was Mr. Belvedere's first name. <laughs> So there's just all these inside jokes, you know, um the, you go into the woodshop class and there's, you know, Jesus Cristo and he has a Mexican <laughs> accent for no good reason. Um, you know, there's a um there's a there's an episode where a uh, Ponce de Leon comes to school. Uh-huh. But so everybody's so they call him the Ponce, so he just, he looks just like Fonzie from yeah. Happy Days. <laughs> it's just like all this that was, just, man,
0: just, I, re- I vaguely remember that show and watching like Two or three episodes.
1: I, I love it. Um, a friend of mine got the entire DVD set um, one season. And at the end of the last season, you're left with this huge cliffhanger. And then the show was never picked See, up that's again. that's
0: what I hate about... And unfortunately, it's all about ratings. And if the show sucks, even if it has a good cult following... Mm-hmm. If yeah. you never find... And, and I just wish that they would give some of these shows a chance to come back and wrap up all the loose threads. I'll tell
1: you what. If you put... If, if MTV... Uh, just lent or, you know, leased the rights to Clone High to Adult Swim, to Cartoon Network. Yeah. That mm. show would come back so strongly. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, the show's actually begun to be kind of dated. I mean, Marilyn Manson, Mina Suvari. You're right. You know, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that that gets right. thrown around. Um, but uh, that's, that's only a little bit of the show. The rest of the humor of the show is great.
2: And that show could come back just... See, and it and could just surge back. Family Guy came back with some of the same kind of dated references. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And before Clone High, I don't think everybody, ever, anybody ever had a chance to say that Joan of Arc was a slammin' hottie. <laughs> and she's a goth, too. It's just, you know,
1: <laughs> you're watching, I'm watching this show, and I'm like four episodes in, and it's hilarious. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm watching a show in which Abraham Lincoln and Mahatma Gandhi are talking about dealing with puberty. Right. You know, kind of stuff, and it's like this is like this is, its actually kind of deep. And there, there's a great line, which is you know Abe, Abe, and Gandhi have this big fight, and Mahatma Gandhi just stands up and is like, "I never thought I'd see the day in which Abraham Lincoln dissed Mahatma Gandhi," <laughs> and he just storms off.
0: <laughs> Number three on my list is kind of an uh, the pass for HBO. Kind of says, okay, I know you canceled all the rest of my favorite series. Please don't cancel this one. Entourage. Hmm. This is a brilliant look at Marky Mark's life, essentially, Mm -hmm. because that's what it's based on, is Marky Mark's group of people and and some of the things that he went through. It's not exact, obviously, Hmm. because it's more modern, updated themes, Uh, but a show that can actually get James Cameron's friends to call him up and say, Hey, I heard you directed a Aquaman movie, and it was super great. Congratulations. That's a show you have to be watching. What happened in the first season is they're trying to get uh, Adrian Gragneria, Gr- Gr- or whatever his Gr- name Gr- is. Gragner. uh, the role of Aquaman. And the, the uh, season ends with this clip, and I believe it is directed by James Cameron, this little bit of... This final battle scene that Aquaman's supposed to be doing, and it's Adrian running down the pier, ripping off this tuxedo, and diving into the water. And that's all that you ever see of this movie. And then in the next season, the movie has become so popular that it's, you know, surpassed Spider Man. Mm -hmm. And so the real Hollywood reporter, the one that is in our world, actually ran a two page spread. It's a fake ad because it's Hollywood reporters always referenced an entourage. Mm-hmm. It's this fake ad saying, congratulations, James Cameron, uh, for $150 million whatever weekend. And people read this and thought it was an actual movie. Nice. And it actually sparked a lot of debate about what should happen with Aquaman as a franchise. But all the adventures that everybody goes through in this show is just great. And and the series is well thought out and well put together. It's where we get the phrase, let's hug it out, bitch. <laughs> All these great things, and yet HBO will only greenlight 13 episodes a season, Mm. which sucks because they only are half-hour episodes, and there's a lot packed into 30 minutes. But the problem is, after 12 episodes, 13 episodes, the season's over, and you're like, uh, what? I wanna, uh, I, what? And it's, like, real disappointing. Mm-hmm. There's one season where they go, or one episode where they go to the San Diego Com- Comic-Con. Nice. We were actually there at the Comic-Con uh, when they were filming that episode. Nice. Which was very <laughs> cool. Because we came back, and we I did see what looked to be some filming going on, because they actually did it on the convention floor, a lot mm-hmm. of the convention stuff. And we went back, and I was like, Chata, let's watch and see if we're in the background anywhere, so... I'm
2: Steven. I've been to San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, I know. Entourage, number three on my list. Kicking up the number two, number two, number two, number two, number two spot for me is a show that actually kind of echoes Steven's complaints. And this was something that a long time ago came around. But the main character had been on a couple of different shows where things had gone because of the network or because of the backers, had gone where he didn't want them to go. So he pitched it as a finite series beginning to end and pitched it to ITV in Britain, and the show became The Prisoner with Patrick McGowan. The Prisoner is 17 episodes, and with the exception of a couple of episodes, basically they're a story arc from the beginning where... A character, and now he had played for years Danger Man, John Drake. Mm-hmm. Basically kind of a James Bond type character. And where this character, who he, he swears is not John Drake. But everybody knows him. It would be the equivalent in, in some ways of having, say, a Sean Connery type character wake up. He wakes up in what's essentially a retirement village for spies. Yep. You don't know who is who. You don't know who's on your side. All you know is that the village is run by a mysterious man named Number Two. You can't get out. And no matter what happens, somehow the establishment keeps you down.
0: This was only one season and 17 episodes?
2: 17 episodes, one of them double length. Um, but it's a fascinating look. And and uh, my friend Bruce, uh, who posts as Otter and or Prisoner on the Major Spoilers forums once in a while, really, really got me hooked on this when we were in college together. If you watch it, we watched the last episode together. And I don't want to spoiler it, but I can't because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You get to the end – and the whole question of who is number 1 becomes moot because it doesn't matter who number 1 is it's what number 1 represents and the whole series is an allegory oh that's two allegory references in the same show i think we're going to have to we're going to have we- to say something st- Quick, the only thing joke.
0: That, the only thing you need to throw in there is the
1: thing that I like about, or one of the things uh, about this. I'm not
2: going to say one of the things. No, I just said it. it. Ah,
1: ah, shut up. Ah, he tricked you. Now you have to go back to your own dimension, Mr. <laughs> Matthew oh, no! Pitelick.
2: I'll be back in 90 days. <laughs> Damn <your> Oh, <laughs> yeah, I
1: got Steven. I got him with <laughs> the...
0: That's is a good one. purple right now. <laughs> hey, last week I was laughing so hard I almost passed out. <laughs>
2: But the show really has just a wonderful arc. There's one episode that's really that sticks out to me in that Patrick McGowan isn't in it. But the character he plays, number six, is. Hmm. He actually wakes up in the body of someone else. Nice. Because Patrick McGowan was off shooting a movie, The Guns of Navarone, I believe it was. So they, they did this whole bit where Patrick McGowan wasn't there but number six was. And the other actor played the character so straight. But I used to play occasionally we'll play the, you know, the Spock versus Chewbacca or the who'd win in a fist fight. Yeah. I always wanted to see James Bond versus number six in the mm. village. Because you take I mean you just break it down, it's a it's a question of a man whose beliefs are all gone. Right. So no- number two, best show ever, 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 except for one. The prisoner. Cool. And you talk Ew. about
1: you talk about an, an, an mm-hmm. intro that any time you turn around you have to watch. Yes. Man, the prison. like I had never seen this show before. A friend put it on and I was like, "Oh yeah." Well, it starts with that lightning bolt was Yeah. And then the music. But and you see the car. This was nothing but
0: a
2: big old head trip show, right? Yes and no. I mean, it's never really clear what is and isn't real or what's true. So at one point, number six ends up getting involved in elections and running for the position of number two, right. but he can't be sure that even his fellow candidates aren't actually working for number two. Right. Nice. So and he's always the, and then the big reveal of who number two is. Right. Well, you know, when you're working for number two, sometimes you have to be subtle. If you yeah. see what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodrigo, anything follow up
0: on
1: Futurama? Um, I love it. Here's here's one of the things. There's this. Um... Ah! there's there was this uh yeah one of the that's things. a different show oh my bad um i remember sitting there you know trying to give futurama a chance i was like oh is this the simpsons in the future you know what, what, right. what is it would gonna be um, I watched this episode where, you know, they're taking Fry around New New York. Right. And Lila's like, you know, the, the world has changed. You know, this is not the same world that you knew. And he's like, no, these are, still, these are still my streets. And there's this huge green alien walking by. And Fry just points at him and he's like, sup? And the alien's like, <laughs> yo. yo. <laughs> and I was like, I am sold. This is the show for yep. me. Yep. yep. The episode
2: where they find Fry's dog... That's a touching episode. That is a wonderful episode. The last minute or two of that episode where you see the dog just sitting there, it's heartbreaking. And a show, I mean, for a cartoon show with such bizarre themes to actually really get you right there and tear you up a little bit is so weird.
0: Unfortunately, that episode was ruined later when Fry goes back to the past or something and you see the dog sitting out there and he doesn't look, you know, emaciated and... Mm -hmm sad
1: and lonely and i I, I think it was in the direct video movies that you see that dog again yeah yeah
2: Um, they went back they went back to the well one time too often yeah that's
0: and that's something that rodrigo and i are going to talk about in a future episode is these futurama movies Mm -hmm. and which are great which are good but they've they have the one fatal flaw Mm -hmm. i think they're written by the current simpsons writers (laughs) that's their fatal flaw what's your what's your
1: number two
2: what, what really I defi- hang on. i go ahead. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Go Go. go. Okay. What really defines Futurama's appeal to me is one sentence. Boobies? At, Fry, at Fry's holophoner recital. Yeah. Where everybody's out there and they're trying to respond and no one knows what to do and he's lost his talent because he had to give his hands back to the robot devil. Right. Uh-huh, the robot devil. And Zoidberg is in the audience. Your music's bad, and you should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> that that encapsulates Futurama for me.
0: I still think we should have Zoidberg Berg versus uh, McCoy. Yeah, Number two on my list is the entire Justice League animated series Mm -hmm. that encompasses uh, Justice League Unlimited. Just another great series where you're building on from episode to episode this great, huge story arc. And nothing gets more intense until the very last two or three seasons where you actually have Amanda Waller, Mm -hmm. the doctor from Star Labs, and all the other people secretly, covertly battling... Uh, the Justice League.
1: There's that. There's that episode where like this, the army of what, what they call like the Ultimen. Yes. Are like crashing into the the Watchtower satellite. Right. And you know, John Jones is gone, and there's all this crazy stuff going on. Like it. It's it's a especially Justice League Unlimited with such a huge cast. You know, it was it was a show that really made you care about Superman and care about right. Vigilante. Right.
0: Well, the other thing that's cool about this, this series, unlike all these other TV series that end prematurely with no real ending, they went into every season of the Justice League saying, this is our last season. We have to make mm-hmm. sure that the very last episode ties up the Everything. yeah. so that you can watch season by season. And if you didn't watch any seasons after it, the series works. You know, you're not left wondering, what happened to The Question? What happened to Vigilante? What happened to Shining Knight? What happened to, you know, Booster Gold? Hawk Girl. Hawk Girl. You know, those stories were wrapped up. And it's it's very well-thought-out series. Matthew, you and your daughter watched Justice League?
2: We do, she doesn't like it as much as Legion, and I think part of that is because uh, there's more fighting. The character's better, heads aren't big enough.
0: You better go have her checked out. <laughs> well, I don't it's think it's an quite- older show. It is, really. And, you know, we say an older show, and we're talking eight years, seven years. That's all the show is, seven yeah. years old. Yeah.
2: But there's, I mean, there's there, there are moments in... Same my favorite episode, where Vixen and Vigilante are just sitting there talking. Yeah. And then there's a big fight scene. And these are two things that don't really appeal to Molly. Whereas Legion was kind of aimed more at her skill set. Uh, at those okay. She's four, and it's aimed at like six to eight-year-old kids. Whereas yeah. I feel Justice League Unlimited was like, you know, ten years and up. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I mean, there are episodes of that. I watched the episode with the seven soldiers of victory yes. and totally geeked out when Speedy not only showed up, but he was voiced by the actor who voiced him on Teen Titans. Yep, nice. Wearing the same costume design, thereby you know, in my mind going, well, obviously Teen Titans takes place in the same continuity. It might have like, shared an, share it.
1: some part of the universe, least, uh, and maybe Speedy also what they did from it.
2: They had static.
1: Yep, they did. They that did was have an static. awesome. And that they was had an Batman awesome Beyond, art. and
0: they had Hal Jordan who ended up getting an action figure based solely on a 10-second
2: appearance in that series. Nice. But the appearance was so perfect. It was. Because John flashed out, and the new guys are there, and everybody looks at him for a second horrified, and he's like, Hal Jordan, I'm up to speed. Let's move. Yes. Nice. It's just a total Jordan moment. And, of
0: course, the one that we keep referencing, uh, Lex Luthor gets transferred into Wally West's body, where (laughs) you actually have the man who plays... Lex Luthor on Smallville playing playing Lex Luthor Luthor on on the TV series, Mm -hmm. and it's brilliant. I have no idea who this is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, aren't you going to wash your hands? No. (laughs) no, (laughs) Because I'm evil. evil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, frankly, the best moment in Justice League is towards the end of the entire run where he gets to battle Darkseid Mm -hmm. after Darkseid has essentially gotten the power infinite or whatever that he's got. And Superman says... I've been waiting for this because I don't have to hold back. He goes, all this time I've been holding back. This time I don't have to hold back. And it's the yeah. battle of the century between those
2: two. Yeah. At the moment where Flash, I can't remember who he's punching, but he's completely outmatched. And it's Flash versus this this person that you shouldn't expect him to fight. And Flash takes off running, and the man starts to to mock him for running away. Right. And all of a sudden Flash comes around the other side Boom. of the planet yeah boom and it then he was goes back Brainiac
1: around. Luthor. Yeah, it was thing. Brainiac yeah. Luthor, yeah. It was the and one he where some, he like... he gets
0: into the speed force and doesn't know if he's yeah. coming back and really the Flash becomes this central character for the Justice League because as we've seen when they go into the alternate universe with the Justice Lords, yeah. we see that the reason why they went crazy in that world is because they lost the Flash because Superman wouldn't do what Superman needed to do. And so Superman is always afraid in this universe that if he loses the Flash, mm-hmm. that his world is going to become the Justice Lords. And that episode, which right. you're talking about, Matthew, is where he really freaks out thinking, holy but, crap, Yep, this and, is where we're going.
2: But the Flash is, I mean, the Flash is the muscle man. The Flash is the brick in that sequence. Yep. And he ends up hitting Brainiac Luthor like 50 times at 1,000 times the speed of sound. And you just look at it and you realize somebody finally understands what super speed means. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was just amazing for me.
0: Man, that should have been my number one. But no, uh, there's no, something. Because- all, of, all this time we've had some really good shows. So now we get to our numero uno's.
2: The pinnacle, the apex, the piece de resistance, the The top uh, of the heap, creme de la creme, or as we like to call it, number one. Number one, number one, number one, number one. For me, number one always has to be 158 episodes. And my wife hates me because when they come on, I watch every single one of them, and within three seconds, I tell her this. Is that episode. (laughs) And she says, but you've seen this a hundred times. Can I guess? Every Labor Day and every... every I was going to say, I know it. Memorial Day, we sit and we watch them for hours on end. And she's like, but you've seen them all a hundred times. I'm like, yes. My wife is the exact same way. Damn good. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. Yep. You, yes. you have to love what they did with the Twilight Zone. And people don't realize this show is 50 years old, 1959 to 1961. So we're talking half a century. And they're doing these plots that are so, even today, relevant. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, de- they dealt with things like racism. And it's another thing where he would take the allegory. You'd look at an episode where it would be about well, you know the
0: monsters on uh, Elm Street or Maple Street or where Exactly. It is. The monsters
2: are due on Maple Street, or It's a Good Life where Bill Mummy is the telekinetic child, and you get to the end of the episode yep. and they leave that whole family at the mercy of this telekinetic monster, and my grandfather's like, God damn it, what the <laughs> hell is that? You know, Mannix would have come in and just cleaned the place out. But I I if, Yeah. Even the stinky episodes are fascinating to watch. There's one called Black Leather Jackets, which is kind of like the wild one meets It Came From Outer Space, where these alien punk greasers come to Earth and poison the water supply dressed as bikers. And it's so awful that you can't help but love it. I don't remember that episode. Oh, that's a terrible episode. And (laughs) Rod Serling's narrations get more and more bizarre. There's one point where the episode is called Nervous Man in a $3 Room. Mm -hmm. I really do know them all. There's an episode, or there's a point at the beginning of the episode where they're doing the standard Rod Serling open. We're looking down on a room, looking down on a hotel room, and you see a man walking around, and Rod steps into frame at an angle to where he'd have to be standing off of one of the corners of the room, staring up at the ceiling where the camera is. Wow. Nice. And he does his opening narration there. It's, I mean, the best one to me, the best Rod opening is... He steps on screen during one episode, and the episode is about a man who has the ability to create or destroy things by writing about them on Mm. his dictation machine. Yep. And Rod steps in and starts to do his closing narration, saying that something is foolish and ridiculous. And the man turns and looks at him and goes, Rod, you shouldn't say that. And he pulls out an envelope full of dictaphone tape that says Rod Serling, (laughs) throws it on the fire, and as it burns, Rod looks at the camera and goes, well, that's the way it goes. And disappear. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's so meta. It's so, you know... Yeah. You, it's meta before there was such a thing as meta. Oh, those episodes are so great.
0: And the fact that Serling wrote most of them, some yeah. of them inspired by other, you know, as...
1: Communism.
0: Well, right. yeah, the Cold War and, and fears of that. But there are some really great ones. And... Most people, if you said William Shatner in Twilight Zone, are going to think of Terror at uh, 30,000 feet. Mm -hmm. Terror at 20,000 feet. 20,000 feet. Uh, Apparently, the airplanes couldn't go up there. Four episodes. My favorite one is the one at the diner with the devil head fortune-telling machine.
2: I think it's called Nick of Time.
0: Maybe that's what it is. But he keeps putting the money in, and these fortunes keep coming out, and they're coming true. And he keeps playing it because he becomes obsessed with what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And... Essentially, it spits out something about his wife or girlfriend or something's going to die, and she freaks out and goes running out into the street, and of course she gets run over by a truck, and he's devastated by this. But at the end of the episode, his obsession takes him back into the uh, coffee shop or into the diner where he continues
2: to do that again and again and again. And even the episodes that were about communism weren't about communism. Yeah. They were about fear of the unknown or fear right. of the other. Right. It's a cookbook. And it's a cookbook, cookbook. Yep. To serve man is a cookbook. We,
0: we should have an episode where we talk nothing about Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. I think
2: we should. All Listen, right. I'm telling
0: you, I know them all. Twilight Zone rocks as a number one position for you, Matthew. Rodrigo, what is your number one?
1: My number one, and it's probably because it was formative for me, is Disney's Gargoyles? Oh, yeah. Gargoyles is a show that I think started out as this little thing, is you know, Disney trying to do action essentially, right? Um, but the setup of it was really great, mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of kept growing and growing, and I th- the writers kind of went back. And started structuring together all these things that had happened previously. And the thing that I find just absolutely magnificent about Gargoyles is all their rules. Because they have all these meta rules that apply to things. Mm -hmm. Magic or energy is energy. Whether it's created by technology, magic or whatever. So you have these episodes in which these like... This, like giant godlike beings are trying to get into like Xanatos' tower, and he puts up a like a mechanical force field, and yeah. they can't penetrate it. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Um, you know, a lot of episodes do, a lot of shows do time travel, but Gargoyles established that you can't change the past. You cannot. Through time travel. If you travel back in time to change something, things are the way they are now Mm -hmm. because you went back and did it Yeah, kind of thing. I mean, that, as a kid watching that, just totally blew my mind because, you know, you always get into the show. So if you go back, something changes and you're like, oh, no, the world is not good. Oh, my gosh, I stepped
0: on a butterfly.
1: I mean, you get there are episodes where you go back and say, oh, that episode six episodes ago. The reason why that happened is because somebody went back in time in this episode and did that. Yeah. You know, just so well handled. Magic, um, technology, all of this stuff just brought together in such a great way, great dialogue, and with the fundament of, like, these gargoyles that are, you know, strangers in a strange land. Right. And just sort of uh, decide to protect Manhattan like it was their castle right. because that's all they know to do. Right. Awesome. Did you watch Gargoyles,
0: Matt, Matthew?
2: I didn't, and I think the reason that I didn't is because... Power well, Rangers were part, on. Well, there was that. Partly because uh, the voice... I, I remember the voice actors all being from Star Trek The Next Generation, or several of them. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was also one of those shows that I seem to remember my mind pegging as a kid's show. Yeah, and I, I love, think that's I what a lot Bits of people Beast. thought, too. Yeah, and it they really... looked out, at it...
0: Up- I, I wonder if people looked at it and thought... Oh, Gargoyles, this is like DuckTales and Darkwing Duck and all these other Disney, you know, afternoon tailspin type cartoons. So Gargoyles
2: is just another one of those. That's what I thought, because I love Darkwing Duck up to a point. And you're going to hate me for saying this, but I never could get behind DuckTales. Oh, I love DuckTales. Up to a point. Yeah. See? Up until uh, Robo Duck entered, then that's whenever I Gizmo, Gizmo duck. duck. Yeah, whatever. That
1: was the point. That
2: was the point where I started liking it. Gizmo uh, that's the point me where too. I just stopped liking it.
1: I, Gizmo when, Duck. When when Darkwing Duck just totally went off the deep end, and there were like it was like Gizmo Duck, Darkwing Duck, that Vampire Duck, and that Dinosaur Duck. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's when it was to me. America. It was just like, <laughs>
0: nope, sorry, give me the uh, Karl Barks uh, stories and
1: also gargoyles. One of the best opening sequences that i've ever seen on any show it's just great music great narration by the creepy guy from requiem for, for a dream right and who's <laughs> the voice of goliath and you know just it, like i remember like the first time just like that music comes on and it's like bah, 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 and you're like what is going on yeah what is it what the hell is this show about yeah it's about these gargoyles, see?
0: They have to be, they have to be uh, done by morning or they turn back into stone.
1: They do. Like my ex-wife. Because they photosynthesize, <laughs> man. It's photosynthesis.
2: Seriously, they charged
1: up. They've thought of everything.
2: <laughs> uh, I hope your wife doesn't listen to this episode, Matthew. That's actually my first wife. This is my second
0: one. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number one should come as no surprise to anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time. Two hundred dollars a day plus expenses. The Rockford Files, Jim Rockford. <laughs> dun dun. Oh man, this show. And I, you know, I, I think I'm going through this period where I'm fondly remembering everything that happened with my grandparents for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Because I would go over to their house when Mom and Dad would want to go out and do something, and it would be like, "Hey, let's sit down and watch the Rockford Files." And I'd sit down and watch this show and really not care about it, but it's those those memories that kick in. And then when I moved to California, uh, flipped on the TV one morning before I was going to work, I was like, Rockford Files? Oh, man, I remember this show and sat down and watched it and started just falling in love with everything that was going on with this series. Even in college, I would go home at noon during the summertime when uh, uh, A&E was running a very chopped up version of Rockford Files mm-hmm. and just loving all the episodes of it, you know. Uh, this one is is one that does have a cast of recurring characters that come in and you kind of have to know what's going on. The one thing about the seventies and early eighties that I think really could have helped this show is weedanizing it. You know what they should have done and maybe they'll redo it again. If a show begs to be remade, it'll probably have to be after James Garner has passed because he owns the rights to it. Mm -hmm. Um, is to do this in a modern well, you could even do it back then, but you know what's going on in Hollywood and what's going on in l a with James Garner is he's dealing with the mob, and so he deals the mob a lot in in the in the series he's dealing with and really what could be touched on is the mob's influence in Hollywood, so you could have had a lot of Hollywood tales. The porn industry is just starting out in that time period. All these things that could intertwine this could it was a very humorous show, a very tongue in cheek show. It did tackle some very tough subjects. In fact, one of the episodes actually changed a law about the um, grand jury process and um, being sent to jail for not uh, cooperating with the grand jury. Wow. Um, It actually changed a lot. It's a really famous episode. James Gardner's even gone on record to say that that's his favorite episode of all time because of what what happened with it. Um, But I just wish that they could have made some greater continuity. One of the big problems with... Simon and Simon, Magnum Pi, Rockford Files is—they have reoccurring actors who come mm. on the show, but they don't play the same characters. Oh, really? Which is something that's
1: really annoying to that, me. That has happened. It, that happens in Law and Order too, because there are so many episodes. I know that I've seen right. an episode of Law and Order in which Ice Cube, not Ice Cube, Ice T, is a pimp, and right? Then, but he is also you know Finn in right. uh, SBU right. and. Actually, a lot of the detectives, a lot of the newer detectives, they've been on before as, As, you know, drug addicts or whatever.
0: And that's something that just bugs the heck out of me because if they would have kept the the characters, even the bit characters, Mm -hmm. even the bad guy that Rockford's always fighting... If they would have kept those characters the same, it would have made the show more enjoyable because it's like, oh, here it comes. Rockford's fought this guy before. What's going to happen now? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, the fact that here's this detective trying to make ends meet. He lives on the beach in a cruddy old trailer, drives a a kick-ass Trans Am. (laughs) Uh, His dad, in fact, two different actors played... Uh, his mm. dad, uh, Noah ba- Barry, was the one that most people know. But in the first two or three episodes, it was some other guy. And if you ever watch the show Out of Order and you don't realize you're watching the pilot episodes and you see this other guy, you're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. You know? Um, this spun – this is one of the longer-running shows on television. Uh, but not only did it have a, a television series that ran from, I think, 72 through 82, it also had six made-for-TV movies. That came out in the 90s, uh, between 90, I want to say 93 or 94, all the way through 2006. uh, That just continued the adventures of Rockford as he was getting older. Uh, Just one of my all-time favorite shows. I've got all of them on DVD, except I think there's one season that's missing. Um, But man, if you like fun 70s detective shows, Rockford Files is the top of my heap. Nice. Nice. Well, there we go, guys. Ten favorite television shows of all time i counted i think I counted eight animated shows in mm-hmm. our list
1: uh and they were all mine they, well <laughs> cause i had
0: I had Batman and I had uh Futurama mm-hmm. I, and had I had Justice Le- League we had a few h b o series and there was only one duplicate in that entire list, yeah. I think that's amazing. I was really coming into this one, you know, when we did the movie episode. I was like, "Oh, you know, I think we will probably have one or two duplicates on this mm-hmm. list." Right, and we didn't. Well, and then we did this. Ep- this one, I was like, "Oh, surely there's going to be like five or six, ep- you know, shows that we all like."
2: But of course not. And don't call me Shirley.
0: Only oh. one duplicate. And that's there's, one there's... of the things that I like. <laughs> Curse you, Superman! Ah! <laughs> I'll be back at ninety.
1: There's um <laughs> I, and there I think there's one other thing that kind of goes along with that, which is you know I would have put say Buffy the Vampire Slayer on my list, except for the fact that I only like it between seasons one and season three before <laughs> this other character was introduced, <laughs> right? Kind of stuff, and actually that goes for a lot of shows. Um right. For example, one of the greatest shows of all times until I got awful The Simpsons. Yeah. You yeah, know? that's I mean, why it's the not Simpsons on my list. Wasn't none not of up our until list. about season ten. It was good. After that? And if this was the year 2000, it would have probably been in all of our lists.
0: Maybe. I don't
2: think it would have. No. But I'm more interested in what's in the top 20, because there were like four shows that I really wanted that fell right outside the top 10. What fell in your outside? For me, one of them would be
0: Superman, the animated series.
2: Mm. See, Sports Night was one for me that fell outside that I was really, really trying to wedge in and just couldn't find a place for. Freaks and Geeks for me.
0: That would have certainly been on my list, as Freaks and Geeks, because that is something that...
1: Oh my gosh, that is a great another show that got shafted by the network. And and just for again just for the the the, the moment in my life really saved by the bell, you know, as like that <laughs> show was awful and hilarious. And just to me, I would just watch that and I was like, wow, America is such a strange country. <laughs> that's not really a good representation. No, it isn't. And that's why it's hilarious. And of course, it's it gave us that, that great moment. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> scared.
0: <laughs> I would have had Cowboy Bebop on my list. Yeah. Full Metal, metal alchem- Alchemist on my list. Yeah. Um, Superman, I already mentioned. I probably would have had. Um, I don't know. There would
2: have been something else. See, I, I would have definitely had JLU in my list. Right. Right. As would I. I would have had Mission Hill, which is, to Mission me, Hill. the best show on Adult Swim. And it's not even an Adult Swim show. Right. But Mission Hill is one of those shows that you watch as a cartoon and you realize that it's not a cartoon, it's really a story about. Two kids coming to terms with being brothers with each other, and there's a, an episode that's played for laughs, but it centers on the gay couple upstairs, mm-hmm. and how um, one of them, Wally, actually turns out to have been a very promising director who everybody thought was going to go places in Hollywood, and he was incredibly famous for about two years until he fell in love with Gus, and he tried right. to he tried to merge his love with Gus with his love for the cinema. And he was basically forced to choose, and he chose love over being a famous director. Mm-hmm. And you look at that, and it's you know it's these two characters who they play for laughs, mm-hmm. but they have the I mean they have this deep core, and they've been a couple for like you know fifty odd years. Yep. But then mm-hmm. again, it's just this cartoon, so I don't know. It's I would have
0: also had Reaper, MST3K, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Firefly, other- Cheers, Cheers, and Seinfeld would have
1: been on that on that top twenty list. Yeah. Cheers, definitely. Because even going back, um, Bonanza. You, know, like bonanza like, you like Bonanza? You like watching Bonanza? Just oh, I no. just like caught random episodes of it. And I was like, this like people are dying. Yep. On screen, man. Like yep. this. This ride. is not the past, past that was bonanza. told to me. They're like, well, you know, back in the day, you know, we didn't have yeah. stuff like this on TV. That is not true. I think rounding out Matthew's list would have been uh, Little House on the Prairie.
0: No, Wild friends, Wild list.
2: Thank you,
1: Friends. friends
2: and um
0: and Blossom.
2: <laughs> there was there's also an obscure show called Kiss My Ass Steven. <laughs> that was you may or may not have heard of. It, it ran on the NBC <laughs> network for two minutes. And
1: and the theme song went like this Kiss My Ass Steven. Boop boop boom boom boo for being a jackass. Boop 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 boo.
0: Hey, I can't help it. Alright everybody, thanks for listening to us ramble on. Please tell all your friends about the show.
2: <laughs> dude, dude, dude,
0: dude, yes. Dude. Uh, future episode will have our top favorite songs of all time uh, if Sing you guys have any song. other oh, that's any be other hard. ideas that would uh, be helpful just drop us an email podcast at spoilers.com. tell all your friends and we'll see you next time
2: stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. Shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven,
1: And I don't care if Spider-Man's a clone Stop spending